what the cat dragged in it's us <laughs> we we're here it dragged us in i guess even yep. though we don't have a cat here right now nope well who are you <laughs> good intro <laughs> i'm emily and um who are you i'm marguerite virginia um, and we are the hosts of millennial poet society a podcast where we talk about poetry and being millennials, and... All the stuff that happens in between. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so, welcome, or welcome back, wherever, whoever you are. <laughs> <laughs> Which, where, whoever, whichever those whatever categories. you are. Yep, yep, exactly. We welcome you in. It is um, Feast Week. It is... Feast Week! Yeah. I was like, what? Because it's Feast week. Turkey Day almost. Mm-hmm. It will have just been Turkey Day when this comes out. I hope you listen to this while you're in a food coma. Mm-hmm. Just surrounded and nice, by family. And being nice to all retail workers. That's right. Please listen to this while you drive far, far away from retail stores. Or if you're going to go to retail stores, just be nice to the people working there. Because they don't want to be there. And they don't want to be dealing with you being stupid. Yeah. Um, they at least don't want to be there at 6 o'clock in the morning like some people have to be. Speaking so. from experience, Mark? <laughs> no. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> experience? Um, what? Her eyes twitching uncontrollably. <laughs> uh, and especially if you're going on anytime on Thursday for oh, early Black Friday Jesus. deals. Just take a minute, folks. Take a minute to be thankful for what you already have. And don't think about the things that you need or want. And I mean, it's not saying that you aren't thankful for what you have if you're going no, shopping. No, but it drives but I'm just me saying, crazy. Like, be a just, kind person. Be just, a pleasant person. Thank the people for being there. What is the what is so dire that you have to take? Like, what I, I'm truly curious. What is the thing that is so necessary in your life that you can't live without it on a holiday? Like, what is the I mean, I, my mom and I would go start Black Friday shopping on Thursday night because we didn't want to go on Friday because we knew just how crazy it was going to be. But like, I just, I always feel so bad for the retail workers and the, and the managers and stuff that have to be open. And it's not just retail. It's like the, the restaurants, the shops, the Mm -hmm. like Starbucks, like your coffee shops that have to be open. Those people had to be up at 4.30 in the morning to right. to service you when you should – everybody deserves to, like, have a day off, you know? Oh, they absolutely deserve to be. That's why you should be very that, thankful that they are there. And if they're going to be there, I mean, I feel like – I just hate that our society is structured that way. Mm-hmm. It's – I never want to participate in it again, you know, after working retail and – like the food industry on Black Friday and on Thanksgiving, I like, mm-hmm. never want to do it again. I never want to partake in any of it again. It makes me so sick. <laughs> like I hate it. Um, but if you are one of those people <laughs> that likes to do that, then be kind. Just be nice and appreciative for the people that are there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
on that note, hope happy had, Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, hopefully you had lots of delicious food yesterday. I'm really looking forward to all the food that I'm about to have. What's your favorite thing on the Thanksgiving plate? Oh, goodness. Okay, I like, mean, it's it, – for me, I feel like we never necessarily – like, I don't remember growing up always having one specific thing at Thanksgiving. Like, I feel really? like it changed a lot. Although, I do remember – I think it was, like, my Uncle John – on my dad's side, would make <laughs> these refried beans with bacon that were really good. Yeah. But I don't know if that was on Thanksgiving or just like any holiday. That was really delicious. We never really had, like we didn't have th- turkey every year. Like my really? grandma was like, I don't want to have turkey every year. Like I want something I different. Like there would be years where we turkey. had like, um, we had like salmon and. Um, oh my God, yum. And um, like uh, brisket. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I don't know. We just had lots of really – I do love some mashed potatoes. I love so mashed like, potatoes and gravy. what's your perfect bite? Like, do you mix your foods on a fork to make, like, the perfect bite? No, ever? not unless it's, like, stuffing and turkey or something. Okay. Or, like, if I'm eating, which, again, this isn't necessarily a Thanksgiving thing, but if I'm having um, – like, if there's ham, um, like, pork chops and um, warm – warm applesauce oh yes that's really yummy yum uh but again i yeah i don't know if that's something that i had at thanksgiving or it's just like a fall thing that i remember because growing up on a fruit farm my mom would make warm um would make applesauce and when it's freshly made it's Mm -hmm. warm and it's like still kind of chunky that's exactly like my grandma makes warm applesauce every well she makes applesauce and then right and then it's it's either it's 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 usually she'll make it the day of but sometimes Mm -hmm. if my mom's making it she'll make it like the day before or something so you like reheat it sometimes or we just serve it cold but it's Mm -hmm. that chunky chunky but still smooth yeah and soft apples with like the lightest crisp to Mm -hmm. them still that's like and there's so, so much cinnamon. It's yeah. delicious. What's That's your great. favorite? What's your favorite Thanksgiving dessert? Oh my god. Okay, so I typically love a a pecan pie. Mm-hmm. I really love a pecan pie. But now that I've I saw the Bon Appetit video with the pumpkin pecan pie, mm-hmm. I'm sort of really interested in it what that sounds would be really like. interesting. Yeah, I still don't know because I really love the filling of a pecan pie. Me too. That's the thing. If those if those pecans are if like the drizzle that they have like the coating on the pecans, yeah, there was is that. like sort similar like to that filling, creamy cut like filling stuff, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, then I'd be into it. Like I could probably deal with mm-hmm. that, but. Mm-hmm. I love a pecan pie, and I don't like. I love pumpkin pie. Pumpkin yeah. pie all morning, like the day after. That's yeah. what I'll eat. Like, yeah, I that's love a that. really good day after, like breakfast. Yeah, food. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Pie. It's like it, it, as if we weren't <laughs> carb loading yeah, enough. Like, right. Let me just. So one thing that I love is that whenever we have Thanksgiving at my parents' house, we are. My mom makes enough food to feed a hundred people yeah. like we usually will have like 10 people 10 mm-hmm. or 12 mm-hmm. depending on who's home and <laughs> and usually on Wednesday or like whatever day we all get home she'll make a lasagna mm-hmm. which is just like a great start to the weekend <laughs> you know yeah. and so so she's making a lasagna and that's amazing her lasagna is fantastic and then we go Thursday morning because you can't just say, okay, kids, like, hold off until dinner, like, because you're going to eat so much food. 
you have to provide something for them to eat, yeah. right? It's breakfast. It's so dumb. We're going to eat so much later. Yeah, but you're not going to eat just one meal that day. Oh, I feel like we'd be fine. Anyway, so she makes this amazing breakfast casserole that I, I distinctly remember the year that I got my wisdom teeth out. Mm-hmm. I couldn't eat it. I couldn't eat anything because right. I, well, I could eat like mashed potatoes, but it mm-hmm. had to be like cold mashed potatoes because it was all too hot and like chunky and whatever. Yeah. And so she blended a slice of this casserole like loosely in a blender with like milk or something. Ew. <laughs> no, it, I don't know if it was milk. She like <laughs> blended it up. Yeah. And made it this like paste, <laughs> which <Ew>. sounds disgusting, <laughs> but it made everything taste so good because mm. when you blend something, you know, like it brings out different flavors. It's like when you chew on something longer, like different flavors will come out or whatever. But so I was experiencing this casserole dish in a whole new way than I ever had before. And I was like, mm, every Thanksgiving I think I'm like, mm, I wonder if I just put it in a blender. <laughs> like, wouldn't it taste good? I've never done it since, but that's something that I think about every year. <laughs> every day of my life. Every single day. <laughs> I wake up and I dream about blended breakfast casserole. Y- yum. Delicious. Great. Uh, I always get really excited for the mac and cheese, but my mom's home. I get excited for like homemade mac and cheese always, like not just for Thanksgiving. We don't always make mac and cheese. I think maybe a couple years we've made it, but my grandma will make it. I don't know that we make it like every year for Thanksgiving. It's just something that my mom makes that I Mm -hmm. really, really love. Yeah, me too. Um, So, and I mean, I made, I don't think it, I don't know if it was the exact recipe, but I remember I made some last year when we had Thanksgiving. Um, baked mac and cheese. And then I um, made some baked mac and cheese for New Year's. That's right. I was like, when did I make my baked yeah. mac and cheese? Um, when we had it but, here. And then my mom is, um, so my mom's making baked mac and cheese this year. My parents Yum. are coming down for Thanksgiving. We're going to have Thanksgiving in the city. Yum. And go see the Rockettes. You know what I love? Hmm. The blueberry buckle that we had last year for that Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It was to die oh, for. so bomb. Mama Kellogg, that recipe is insane. Yeah. It's delicious. It's perfect. There's mm-hmm. nothing bad about it. So good. The crumb. Yeah. And the bake on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Mm, Mary Berry will be so proud. Mm-hmm. It was delicious. It was so yummy. And the blueberries just sort of like the way that they like burst mm-hmm. it. It's like. Because mm. they're not like too mushy yet. They, yeah. they still have like the skin on them and they yeah. like pop. Yeah. Oh. It was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. Well, now that my mouth's watering, why don't we? Shall we just start mm-hmm. and continue Is this? Your mouth watering for poetry. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. How that works. yeah. 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 Um, yeah. All right. Well, it's episode thirty-five, which means it is my turn. Your turn. Hey, finger guns. Hey. Cool. So uh, I'm gonna do one poet for you this week. I'm gonna sneeze one second. That's gone. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Do you want to wait a second? Or is it like gone, gone? No, I think it's gone, gone. Okay. Sorry. (sighs) (laughs) A moment of silence for the lost sneeze. (laughs) All right. Um, So I'm going... (laughs) (laughs) The lost sneeze. The lost, that sounds like a a children's book. Yeah, oh, it does. The lost sneeze. The lost... (laughs) 
the way you just said it. The lost snooze. <laughs> it's like read by Severus Snape. Like <laughs> the lost snooze. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Okay, great. great. So the um, I almost said the character. He's a character. The <laughs> poet I'm gonna do today is Reginald Dwayne Betts. Reginald. Yeah. That's a good name. It is a good name. Reggie. Yes. Uh, he Reginald Dwayne Betts was born November 5th, 1980 in Maryland. He is an American poet, memoirist, and teacher. At the age of 16, he and a friend carjacked a man who had fallen asleep in his car oh, wow. at the Springfield Mall. Wow. Betts was charged as an adult and consequently spent more than eight years in prison, including 14 months in solitary confinement. I want to preface this by saying that I found out about Reginald Betts on a Poetry Foundation's website through an article that I'll tell you about. Um, but I found it fascinating, and it was written by a convict that I'll mm. also talk about in this mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, reading his work that he had just published. So um, just to preface that, it was a really incredible like review of Betts's new book. Okay. So while in prison, Betts completed high school and he began reading and writing poetry. Great. Speaking at the NGC Bocas Lit Fest in 2016, he said, I was in solitary confinement. You could call out for a book and someone would slide one to you. Somebody slid The Black Poets, edited by Dudley Randall. In that book, I read Robert Hayden for the first time, Sonia Sanchez, Lucille Clifton. I had thought about being a writer, writing mostly essays and maybe one day a novel, but at that moment, I decided to become a poet. Mm, we know Lucille and Sonia. We do. He was eventually promoted to, uh, whoops, after serving an eight-year prison term, Betts found a job working at Caribou Books in Bowie, Maryland, and was eventually promoted to store manager and founded a book club for African-American boys while attending Prince George's Community College in Largo, Maryland. That's really great. Yeah. He later became a teacher of poetry in Washington, D.C., and in 2013, he was teaching an intro to nonfiction course at Emerson College. Wow. In an essay on Poetry Foundation, like I was saying, it's this one. Uh, it's called There Is No Name for This Thing You Become. And it's uh, written by convict John J. Lennon, currently serving 28 years to life at Sing Sing Correctional Facility. He writes about his experience reading Betz's latest poetry collection, Felon, while behind bars. Lennon writes... What haunts me most about Betts' poems is the realization that the effects of prison will likely stay with me just as they have stayed with him, even after I've served my time. Lennon has spent half of his life behind bars. He shot and killed a man on a Brooklyn street in 2001 Mm -hmm. at the age 24. Wow. He said he was deep into a drug-dealing lifestyle. Goodness. He was taken to Rikers Island where he said... Quote, for the next two and a half years, it was bloods and black eyes, shanks and razors, smoking weed and sniffing heroin, caged bus rides, sitting chained in a crowded courthouse bullpen, eating bologna sandwiches. But in 2010, at Attica, New York's most notorious maximum security prison, he joined a creative writing workshop. Mm. He picked up some tools and started building a career as a freelance writer and journalist. Wow. 
It was behind bars that Lenin first was introduced to Betts' work. In his essay, Lenin states, quote, At this point, it's worth acknowledging that I am white and Betts is black. Our experiences in prison and after prison aren't the same. Mm -hmm. It's also worth noting that I'm a convict reading felon, which is to say that I am currently living the trauma that informs Betts' poems. Lennon explains that Betts dreamed up the poems in Felon more than 20 years ago when he was a boy in solitary confinement, reading Etheridge Knight. In Betts's memoir, A Question of Freedom, uh, published in 2009, he writes, I wanted to write a poem that wasn't for women. I wanted to write a poem that was for dudes around me, carrying the time like the heaviest albatross around their necks. I thought this was an interesting juxtaposition to my poems last week that were poems about being a woman. Yeah. Um, which was sort of just like happenstance that it yeah. like happened to be about mm -hmm. that and that he said that, but I just found that interesting. So one of Felon's oops. One of Felon's most prominent themes is that you can leave prison, but prison never quite leaves you. Prison, says Lenin, damages your ability to connect. In a poem called Night, Betts reveals that what she tells me, prison killed you, my love, killed you so dead that you're not here now, you never hear, you're always. Lennon continues his essay explaining that he feels he shares so much with Betts, even though they are worlds apart. In October 2018, the New York Times Magazine published Betts' long essay, Getting Out. Several months later, the piece was awarded a National Magazine Award. The publication was another example of Betts's entering into a new genre and bringing the same depth and richness of self-reflection and exploration of the central problem of this generation, incarceration and its effects on families and communities. Betts has transformed himself from a 16-year-old kid sentenced to a nine-year sentenced to nine years in prison to a critically acclaimed writer and He's a graduate of Yale Law School. That's amazing. He has written three poetry collections. He, the recently published Felons, which is what I was speaking about. Yeah. Bastards the Re of the Reagan Era. And Shahid Reads His Own Palms. Um, that title is significant because Reginald Dwayne Betts was renamed Shahid in prison, which mm. means witness. Mm. His memoir, A Question of Freedom, a memoir of learning survival and coming of age in prison, is the story of a young man confined in the world's worst prisons in the state of Virginia. So really just the worst prisons in the state of Virginia. I don't know why we're at the world's worst. The world's worst. The prisons. world's worst in Virginia, so. <laughs> Great. Um, so, yeah. It's the story of a young man confined in the worst prisons in, in the state of Virginia where solitary confinement horrific conditions, and constant violence threatened to break his humanity. Instead, Betts used that time to turn himself into a poet, mm -hmm. a scholar, and an advocate for the reform of the criminal justice system. He was named a 2018 Guggenheim Fellow. Guggenheim. Thank you. <laughs> and a 2018 NEA Fellow. Betts's poetry has also always been long praised. That doesn't make any sense. Betts's poems have been long praised. Always. <laughs> Poems have always been praised. Yep. Since he started writing. Which was a long time ago. I mean, <laughs> a few years ago. At least. I'm just trying to... In the grand scheme of things, it's not that long. <laughs> I 
up, okay? I was trying to help. No, I know. <laughs> um, anyway, his writing has also earned him a Soros Justice Found Fellowship, cool. a Radcliffe Fellowship, a Ruth Lilly Fellowship, an NAACP Image Award, and mm. a New America Fellowship. Amazing. He has been featured in the New York Times, the New Yorker, the Washington Post, as well as being interviewed on NPR's Fresh Air, the Travis Smiley Show, and several others. During his time at Yale Law School, he earned his JD and wrote a piece titled Only Once I Thought About Suicide, which was awarded the Israel H. Perez Prize for Best Student Note or Comment appearing in the Yale Law Journal in 2017. Cool. He is a PhD candidate at Yale Law School and as a Lehman Fellow, or not Yale Law School, just at Yale. And as a Lehman Fellow, he spent a year representing clients in the New Haven Public Defender's Office, Whoa. where he currently lives in New Haven, Connecticut. So that's a little bit about Betts. Yeah. And I'm going to read a poem called Blood History from his book, Felon. Mm -hmm. The things that abandon you get remembered different. As precise as the English language can be with words like penultimate and persevere it, there is not a combination of sounds that describes that leaving. Once, drinking and smoking with buddies, a friend asked if I'd longed for a father. Had he said wanted, I would have dismissed him in a way that youngins dismiss it all. A shrug, sarcasm, a jab to the stomach, laughter. But he said longing. And in a different place, I might have wept. Said, once my father lived with us, and then he didn't. And it fucked me up so much I, I never thought about his leaving until I held my own son in my arms and only now speak on it. A man who drank Boone's Farm and Mad Dog Like Water once told me and some friends that there is no word for father where he comes from. Not like we know it. There, the word father is the same as the word for listen. The blunts we passed around let us forget our tongues. Not that much, though. But what if the old head knew something? And if you have no father, you can't hear straight. Years later, another friend wondered why I named my son after my father. You know, that's a thing. Turn your life to a prayer that no dead man gonna answer. Hmm. I don't really know why I picked this one other than... I was than, just about to ask you why you picked it. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know why I picked it other than... There was some really great commentary about it in the uh, essay uh -huh. by John L. Lennon. L. Lennon? I think, yeah. I think. And, and also just some of the lines were so intriguing. What was some of the commentary on it? He was just talking about how John, John was talking about how he and Betts had something in common where they both grew up without fathers and um, Lennon was saying that like when he was 10 years old, his mother told him that his father had died in a some, some way. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. um, but then he later found out that it was, he died in a different way and that it was just really haunting to like have this image of a father in yeah. your head and not really actually know him. Yeah. And then Betts was speaking about it in this book and he was talking uh, – in some of his past writings, Lennon had talked about the correlation between 
a lack of a father and prison time mm-hmm. and time in jail. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that that was really interesting. So mm-hmm. I would definitely take a look at that article. But also just the lines in here, like it's so, it's very conversational. It's written in block form. Yeah. You know, like the line breaks are definite, but there's, there's no stanzas or anything. And it's really interesting the 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 way that the word longed for like the words longed for a father hit him and the way that they stand out in the poem itself i i just think it was such a, it was just so well worded well worded when he was like had he said wanted i would have dismissed it yeah. the fact that he said longed right just like in any other setting he would have broken down and cried mhm and I think that speaks to the culture that we have surrounding black men in this country. Mm-hmm. I think it speaks to the uh, sort of social standards we put on men in general in mm-hmm. this country of not being able to show that kind of emotion. Right. And it just, it made me think. And I, I just, the fact that, that the poem centers around that mm-hmm. idea that to not know your father, to not know what a father is or should be and then to have in the end have him tie in his own son and his own experience as a father Mm -hmm. I just found it to be very interesting and uh, really speak to his life experience yeah so I really liked his work there's a lot of really really good poems that he's written out there Um, but his newest book like I said is Felon and uh, it came out in October so it's relatively new yeah, but it's very good, and it's all sort of about his time in prison and um, all of his essays that he's written as well. He goes to different colleges, and he's done commencement speeches and just spoken about how he turned his life around. Mm-hmm. And I know that, and, and this article was particularly intriguing because it showed you that not everybody turns their life around. Like mm-hmm. this, John L. Lennon had spent half of his life in prison, not just on this 28 years to life sentence, but in and out as a child or uh, in juvie in correctional centers. And he sort of spoke on how he didn't learn and and Mm -hmm. how it all just sort of led to bigger and bigger crimes until he finally, you know, got himself Mm -hmm. caught in a... Until he killed someone. Right. And it was... It was just very interesting to hear his perspective and mm-hmm. I'm always intrigued by the words of people that are behind bars and that, mm-hmm. that are usually silenced and what it's right. like for them. Even I mean like yeah as the in the what it's like for them in the prison but also like what their life is like like mm-hmm. before what they think right. of after whatever. Um, so yeah it was just a very interesting article and it led me to a really interesting guy. Yeah, very. Yeah, so that's it. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. Take a quick break, and we'll be back with yours. Yes. Okay. Welcome. Welcome back. Who are you doing this week? So, I am doing, this will be my last week of my Native American poetry series. Finishing it out with um, Diane Glancy. Oh. Um, 
So she was born in 1941 in Kansas City, Missouri, to parents of German and Cherokee descent. Uh, and at a young age, she had a hard time determining her identity because of her Indian lifestyle, not relating to what she was learning in school, hmm. which, um, I mean, is a problem just sort of in general that I feel like you see with um, minority communities and whatnot, right. not being represented in schools and everything. But um, I don't know, especially like Native American lifestyle and everything. It's such a like American thing right? because they're Native Americans and it's such a, but it's, yeah. It's we don't want to admit that we're wrong and that we did something bad. Really horrible. Yeah. Um, so uh, she, there wasn't a lot of information though about her young, like, younger life and everything. Um, but she received her BA in English literature from the University of Missouri and uh, her master's in English from the University of Central Oklahoma. And she also mm. received received a master of fine arts from the University of Iowa. She is proficient in numerous genres, um, fiction, nonfiction, poetry, playwriting, uh, and she often creates work that reflects her Native American heritage. But reviewers have... Uh, also noted her ability to combine the genres and portray both Native American and non-Native American characters and uh, to depict Native American beliefs in Christianity in her writing. So she's really good at sort of blending the two and um, and also just like being able to go back and forth and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, free verse to pr- from free verse to prose poems, she often portrays the intersection of new and old worlds, reporting on history, religion, and the loss of Native, Native traditions. She has served as artist-in-residence for the Oklahoma State Arts Council, traveling around um, the state to teach poetry to Native American students, and has taught Native American literature and creative writing at McAllister College in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hmm. She, she's the author of numerous poetry collections, including Report to the Department of the Interior, um, published in 2015, which received the 2016 Willa Literary Award in Poetry from Women Writing in the West. Um, her collection, Premiere of the Obsolete, I think it's Premiere, not Primer, either way. <laughs> uh, Premiere, P-R-I-M-E-R. P-R-E-M-I-E-R is Premiere. Premier. So it's Primer. P-R-I-M-E-R is Primer. Primer of the Obsolete. Um, that's what it's called. So her collection, Primer of the Obsolete, <laughs> published in 2004, um, was the winner of the 2003 Juniper Prize for Poetry. Interesting how those dates worked. <laughs> That's confusing, but anyway. Sometimes I'm sure that happens, though. Yeah, like, like bef- before it's published, a, it's right. like, yeah, submitted like before it was yeah. published, yeah. Uh, the Shadow's Horse uh, is another one of her collections in pu- published in 2003. Horse as in H-O-R-S-E or H-O-A? Shadow's Horse, like a like a... Like horse, a, the like animal. Animal? Yeah. I didn't know if it was like horse, like a, like I'm horse. Shadow is horse. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and One Age in a Dream, uh, published in 1986. Um, so those are some of her collections. One Age in a Dream? One Age in a Dream, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I okay? just was thinking... <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about Clementine Von Raddick's newest compilation. is called In a Dream, You Saw a Way to Survive. Uh-huh. And it's based off of these other poems. Mm-hmm. In a Dream, You Saw 
blah, 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 whatever it is. And I was just like, is this her work? But I don't know. I don't know. Um, so she's also the author of several works of fiction, including the novel Pushing the Bear, a novel of the Trail of Tears, uh, as well as the essay collection In Between Places. She's, uh, her collection premiere of the obsolete. Yeah. It won the 2003 Juniper prize for poetry. This is like, I got a couple different sources for her, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of her awards and everything. So that one says the 2003 prize as well. So yeah. Wow. Um, she has also received the five civilized tribes playwriting laureate prize. Wow. The Oklahoma book award, the Cherokee medal of honor, Mm. Cherokee, uh, the Cherokee Medal of Honor, Cherokee Honor Society, Tulaqua, Oklahoma, I think is like, mm-hmm. yeah. The full name. Yeah. Um, she's won the Pablo Neruda Prize for Poetry. Oh, Pablo. And, yep. And she's got uh, received grants from the National Endowment for the Arts and the Sundance Screenwriting, Screenwriting and a Sundance Screenwriting Fellowship. Wow. Yeah. I wonder what she wrote with that. I'm not sure. Um, I didn't look up that. No, that's just exciting. (laughs) Yeah. So, again, not a lot of information on her, um, which is sad because she's clearly done a lot of good stuff. And it's also Um, sad that this is, like, a common occurrence in these – Yeah. In your most recent poets just because they're not white. And, I mean, I've found – like, she was – I looked at, like, Wikipedia, um, Poetry.org, Poetry Foundation, and uh, this is, like, all the information I had. I even went to her website, and she doesn't have, like, an actual bio section on her own website. Yeah, but I feel like that is – that I run into that a lot with newer poets. Yeah. 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 But – so, yeah, that's what I have about her. Okay. Um, She has some really interesting poetry, and, um, yeah, there are just some really cool ones to sort of choose from. Uh, This – the one that I'm going to read today is called Tiger Butter. Okay. Uh, and it's from uh, On Age on age in a Dream. On Age in a Dreamy. What? What? On Age in a Dream. On Age in a Dreamy. Did you uh, wait. Uh, like type in? No, no, no. No, it's called One Age in a Dream. That's really strange. So on Poetry Foundation, it says, it says both of them. It says Tiger Butter from On Age in a Dreamy, and then lower down it says Source, One Age in a Dream. Interesting. That's very weird. I feel like I've never seen that before. Typos! Um, yeah. But it's like two typos in like the same, like in, within very a few odd. words. One Age in a Dream is the name of the collection that this is from. Maybe yeah. that's like the chapter or something? I don't know. I don't that's know. That's really strange. Interesting. Uh, but so it's called Tiger Butter. Is it only when you're little you know tigers live in your closet? One with your shoes on his two ears, another with your umbrella tied to his tail, the rest wearing your red coat and blue trousers with the red buttons? Is it only when you're little the dust balls have mountainous shadows in the crack of light under your door? Or is it also now you fear that tigers will eat you? When you wake in the middle of the night and you don't know where you are nor remember how far you've come, your nose hurts like a plowed field, your fingers stiff? Then, somehow, you remember that what you've accomplished. The sewing is finished. The red buttons threaded to the blue pants and the little coat with its sleeves. And you know you have given them the, and you know you, and you know you have given them to the tigers so they won't eat you. 
but they chased themselves round a tree and melted into butter. Now you can pick up your coat and trousers, your shoes and umbrella. Soon, even, you can start your car and go. The promise of dawn already on the face of the clock radio. Hmm. And I just liked it because it's like, first of all, I liked the name. I was intrigued by the name Tiger Butter. I was like, oh, that just sounds like a really interesting poem. Yeah. And I like that it's like, it seems presented in this very sort of like whimsical way. Yeah. Like to me, like I see like tigers, not tiger, but like just cute, like tigers but sort like, of like playing in the closet yeah. and wearing, like looking kind of goofy with these clothes and everything. But then when you actually think about it and take a step back, back it's like talking about anxieties basically. And it's right. like we carry those anxieties into our adulthood and everything, but then somehow are able to, like if you take a step back and look at how far you've come and where you actually are, you're able to, sorry. <laughs> you're able to, <laughs> it, they're able to sort of just melt away and you yeah. can say like, no, today is a new day. I'm awake, yeah. I'm alive, I'm going to go into this new day refreshed. and um, Also just to like have the knowledge of being able to assess an anxiety mm-hmm. or an anxious situation you may yeah. be in to see it for what it really is, mm-hmm. which is just tigers dressed up in weird clothing right, right. playing yeah. and not something that's going to eat you yeah. is really well pictured here in mm-hmm. this poem. I think that's... That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I also just really like, um, I mean, it's not overtly Native American, but I okay. feel like you see those elements, like we've talked before with a couple of my other poems, where there's like that sort of natural imagery and like right. there's still still sort of elements of that without, um, like it's still, it's something that is very approachable, presenting those ideas in an approachable way so that then maybe you'll dive a little bit deeper into that and this right. person and, and that sort of culture and learn a little bit more. Um, so yeah, but she has some other really great ones and sort of a wide, I feel like when I was looking at different poems of hers, there's a wide variety of things like this one, again, like it seems sort of like whimsical and, and interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And there's also ones where she, like there's a particular poem that I was thinking about reading that's about her Growing up, like I briefly mentioned at the beginning of my bio, um, growing up, going to school and not really being able to relate to the subject matter and everything and feeling sort of alienated in that way. Um, And so, so yeah, she has some, a wide sort of breadth of topics that I feel like she covers in her poetry. I love Um, that. That one was called Reservation School for Girls, if you're interested in reading that one as well. Um, So, Yeah. Diane Glancy, very interesting person, and everyone needs to read more Native American poetry and also poetry of minority groups because there's not enough information about them and more people need to know about them. Thank you for doing this segment. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been very cool and very sort of eye-opening. Yeah, I learned a lot. Yeah, yeah. And heard some really kick-butt poetry, too. Right? It's beautiful. Very cool. Well... Uh, happy Thanksgiving to all. Happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, just Hopefully think. you're spending time with people that you love and care about. Just think you're good time off. less than a month away from Christmas. Mm-hmm. Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever holidays you celebrate. Yeah. New Year's. All the winter. the start of a new decade. Yeah. We're going in with a bang. I want the roaring 20s 
all the best parts of the Roaring Twenties to come yeah, back. <laughs> Not I almost said, parts. like, I want those. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, we though. don't, though. I don't, though. <laughs> Even though it feels like sometimes we're getting closer and closer. <laughs> like, women are going to have to fight for the right to vote again. <laughs> it's going to be really rough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyway, with that, we want to say happy holidays and... Mm-hmm. Give a special shout out. Thank you to Zach Adkins for his intro and outro music on today's episode. We Thank love you so it. much. And um, in the bottom of our show notes for this episode, you will see a link that will take you to a support page mm. where you guessed it, you can donate as little as 99 cents a month. Dollar menu donations. That's Yay. not even like a load of laundry per week. It's not even a loaf of bread per week. Mm-hmm. It's not even a loaf of bread per month. No. How often do you go through bread? We want to know. <laughs> do you want some of my bread? Apparently, I don't go through it very fast. We have so much bread in our fridge, it's crazy. We could make stuffing. No. If you want to take it home <laughs> and make stuffing, fly it to Ohio. Nope, I'm good. <laughs> and uh, I thought you were going to say we could make French toast. Oh, we could make French toast. Mm-hmm. Even better. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, well... We need to go make French shows now. Yeah, so also don't forget to like and uh, subscribe. <laughs> don't forget to like our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us a good rating. Um, leave us some comments. Let us know what you like about the podcast. And mm-hmm. um, you can always interact with us on Anchor as well. We have our um, comments open on there. And give us a little rating there as well. we love to hear from you. If you're not sure what Anchor is, give a listen to our ads once in a while. You'll hear all about it. Um, But as always, yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week. Catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. Bye.